Hey, My Mom's Basement listeners, you can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, and Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever, you can't find the fairway with a map, and the bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes a bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball nips. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball nips and have a great time on the golf course. Hello and welcome to My Mom's Basement, presented by Barstool Sports and 3Chi. I am your host, Robbie Fox, and today I've got a mixed martial arts edition of the show for you, with not one, but two interviews. First up, we got Rob Font of the New England Cartel, who has a fight coming up against Marlon Marais on December 19th. This was a great sit-down, great interview. I've never gotten the chance to talk to Rob Font before, despite being a fan of his for a while, so this was cool for us. And then... I'll throw it over to Jordan Leavitt, who picked up a 22-second knockout victory over Matt Wyman this past Saturday by just fucking picking him up and slamming him on the ground. It was brutal. It was vicious. It's a great interview. We talked to him as well. And as always, before we get into it, I have to remind you guys about 3G and their Delta 8 THC. It's getting time for the holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Hanukkah. I think today is the first day of Hanukkah. If you celebrate, if you're looking to get a last-minute gift for somebody and say, hey, listen, I know this is going to be late. Maybe the shipping isn't going to come for a little bit, but maybe you give them a piece of paper with this on it. It says, I got you some 3 chi Go to 3Chi.com right now and get some Delta 8 THC for me. You could get gummies. You could get vapes. You could get tinctures. You could get whatever you want. This stuff is amazing. It's basically the perfect hybrid of CBD and Delta 9. That's what the feelings give you, at least. Gives you that similar buzz, all the medicinal effects of Delta 9 without the laziness, the anxiety, the paranoia, that mental fogginess. I use it every single day. I've got the vapes myself, and I absolutely love it. I swear by it. I mean, Delta 8 users report feeling far more active and outgoing with increased confidence and almost none of the anxiousness and paranoia associated with Delta 9 usage. It's amazing stuff. My recommended products would be the Black Raspberry Gummies. I love those. I think they're friggin' delicious. you got to be careful with those. I would start with half a gummy. Wait maybe 90 minutes. If you don't feel it, maybe take the other half. Maybe even take like a quarter after that. I don't know. I've seen people, my mom included, take a little more than they anticipated, and it sends them zooming. This is the real deal stuff. This will get you high. This will give you that buzz. This will make you fail a drug test. So keep that in mind with your purchase. You must be 21 or older to purchase. And hey, if you use the promo code Robbie at checkout right now, that's R-O-B-B-I-E. Don't try to spell it with a Y. R-O-B-B-I-E. You will receive 5% off your total order. You must be 21 or older to purchase. The website is 3chi.com. That's the number 3chi.com. Use the promo code Robbie. Now let's get into the first of our two interviews. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to My Mom's Basement. It's Robbie Fox, and I am here with yet another New England cartel member. I'm trying to collect them all, really. I'm getting everyone in. <laughs> Rob Font, he's got a fight coming up against Marlon Marais on December 19th. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Um, you know, we're two weeks out. Weight's good, healthy. You know, um, just ready to get in there. Put on a show for the fans. Um, big opportunity. It's everything I ever wanted, and I'm ready. It's huge. It's a huge fight in your career. And now today, as we record this, it's December 7th. It's one year to the day after your last fight against Ricky Simone. Now, this fight was amazing. You earned fight of the night honors. One year later, looking back, what do you think about this fight? 
it's it's weird that I obviously I, I had a year off, obviously rehab, but I feel like I'm better than that guy that fought, um, you know, Ricky Simone. Like, really do. Uh, I think I, the break helped me out a lot. Um, I saw the game differently. I did a lot of watching. I saw the game a lot differently. Uh, I'm approaching a little, little different. Um, not like crazy changes, but it's a little, little more tighter on on uh, how we approach it. And I'm seeing results, you know, you, you can, I can pull up my old sparring footage from the Ricky Simone fight and I can pull up this sparring footage and it's like night and day. It's a totally different person. And I'm excited, you know, it's like, uh, and I just got to go out there and, and handle business, but I'm excited because this has been so long and I, I feel like it's going to be a big, big finish for me. I was going to ask, are you itching to experience this like COVID fighting experience? No crowd, you know, the whole different environment. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you know, obviously, I, I got the opportunity to kind of get that, what it felt like with Calvin. You know, he did yep. Florida, Jacksonville. Oh, I'm sorry, Jacksonville, and they did a Fight Island. So I got an idea of it. Um, we've been keeping it super awkwardly quiet when we spar. So it was like, you just know, it was literally just the coaches talking. Um, so we yeah. try to mimic that as much as possible. But yeah, I mean, it's, just, it's definitely awkward at first. But in the next, like, I feel like the first 30 seconds, you just... It's like another day. At that you point, you're in crowd. a fight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're yeah. just It's the first, I would say, the first two minutes, the awkward walkout, the maybe the first 30 seconds. The moment you take a leg kick or get punched or punch somebody, it's right back to what you do naturally. So, Let me tell you this. I'm not going to tell you how to control your emotions after the win, right? But say you get a win, big finish, like you said. If you scream in there, it's going to be real awkward. As someone that has experienced <laughs> the screams, it's always just like, huh, we're all alone in here. You just screamed in an empty warehouse, dude. Talk to me about this year off. You said you changed a lot of the ways that maybe you're approaching things. You did a lot of watching. Who were your favorites to watch? What were the things that you were looking for, really? First off, it was, I went back and watched all my videos and, and broke myself down. Started with, obviously, all my losses. And then I, did, I saw what I did when I lost. I saw what I did when I won in reaction. I saw, kind of re-broke that down. Weirdly enough, I watched a lot of Max Holloway, Charles Oliveira, and those are two of the main guys I watched a lot because of that, that the pace they peaked as far yeah. as like the, the submissions, how he just throws on submissions from anywhere, every, everywhere, Charles, Charles Oliveira. And then Max Holloway with the numbers was kind of perfect because I got, and I had an idea that Calvin eventually fight, um, you know, Max. So a little pre-studying. Exactly. Um, a lot of kickboxing. Um, we went back and did a lot of the, the Ramon Deckers. Um, and then obviously all the fights that came up during the pandemic, but really started off with myself did a lot of studying on max the last day of, um on holloway and uh just trying to bend that those numbers and those submission attempts and that that kind of like fearless attack on like the way charles Oliver does he doesn't care he's just going to jump on anything you give him he just jumps on it you know i think i want to bring a little more of that out both of those guys you just mentioned have two of the most exciting fights coming up for the entire year i mean max holloway and calvin cater your guy and then Charles Oliveira and Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. Holy shit, that's just a, a violence fest. I'm so excited for both of those. Talk to me about Calvin and your friendship with him. I know that you guys are super close, corner mates and everything like that. So just talk to me about how that relationship formed. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it started off me wanting to fight him, him wanting to fight me on the local scene. Um, and then obviously Tyson stepped in and was like, listen, guys, you guys are thinking too small. Um, you know, let's think bigger picture. Let's get, like, you guys are going to fight each other for chump change. Why not come together, you know, train together, help each other get to the UFC. And then if we end up do fighting, at least get paid for it. You know, and it was just like, yeah, it made sense. And then we we just clicked, man. We really just clicked. It's funny how, like, we we thought the same. We, we, we kind of, like, 
like approach the game similar. We, uh, you know, we did a lot of things together and then we started cornering each other. Once that happened, it was just like a more of a bond, a trust, a brotherhood. And then now it's like, I, I, I can't do a fight week without him. And, and so it's like, it's there, you know, it's all love. It's, it's, um, you know, I'm part of his family. He's part of my family. And, um, you know, just, just helping each other get to the, to the main goal, which is bring that belt back to Boston. That's awesome, man. I didn't know that you guys met in that way, that you guys were each individually fighting and then came together like that. So talk to me about how you got your start in fighting. I know it's like kind of a strange route into how you discovered mixed martial arts. I know delivering pizzas was involved. Yeah, yeah. So I was delivering pizzas and kind of just like, you know, bullshit, not really doing much, just partying, delivering pizzas, making a couple of dollars on the side. Just wasn't terrible, like wasn't completely just being a bum, but it just What age are we talking here? Like 20, 2021. Wow, so you so didn't start training of, until even then? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even really watch it. I didn't even watch it. Holy it, shit, it was, that's crazy, yeah, man. I yeah, I didn't watch it. I didn't know it. And then I delivered to, um, I, knew, I mean, I was I knew of UFC. I, I kind of knew of like Chuck Liddell and like mm-hmm. Rampage. That was it. I knew the superstars, I guess you would say. And then I didn't really understand like WC and uh, UFC and, and like how two different promotions. I didn't, I didn't get it at first. I, I kind of grew up on boxing a little bit. And, and obviously regular sports, but I didn't, I wasn't a diehard or I didn't grow up on MMA and I wasn't a diehard MMA fan. And then I, I was delivering pizzas and I delivered to a house. They were doing jujitsu outside and it was just like, what the hell is this? This is pretty cool. Like what's going on? They broke it down. It's jujitsu. It's part of, uh, you know, part of the martial arts. It's not like judo. It's not wrestling. I'm like, all right, cool. And it's like, but they were all MMA guys as well. I'm like, well, we also do MMA. I'm like, what's MMA? They broke that down. And then I eventually tried out a jiu-jitsu class and I just fell in love with it. I was like, oh, this is awesome. This is great. Um, and then I just like, wait a minute, like, I can make money doing this? I'm like, you, you, you're telling me I can make money? Like, all I got to do is win and I keep going forward? I'm like, man, I, I think I could do this. And then I would just always kind of like hang around and watch the pro team spar and, and roll and all that. I'm like, wait a minute, like, I don't know if I'm too cocky now right now, but I know I'm not good on the ground, but I know I can stand with like, the guys right now. Like, I know it. And I did. And I, I would throw, they would throw me out there and I would hold my own. The moment I hit the ground, I was done. But starting off real green, I could, I was, you know, scrappy or whatever. And then did maybe uh, six, seven months in Florida. I moved out to Tampa. I'm sorry, I uh, moved out to Boston. Um, signed up at a Muay Thai gym. And then six, seven months later, uh, my coach and, and, and manager Tyson asked me, hey, you know, you're interested in fighting. I see you're here. You're dedicated. You know, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. We, then he signed me up, got an amateur fight and just never looked back. That's unbelievable. Did it just click immediately? You said you were scrappy, but were you just immediately good? Was it something that came naturally to you? I mean, like, yeah, not natural. I, um, I think I was, I was decent enough to kind of like, all right, this kid can protect himself at the minimum. And then decent enough to give, like, some guys a decent round, you know, um, we, uh, you know, I've been in a couple of fights um, growing up. Um, we used to slap box a lot growing up, um, just lose a game of Madden. We start talking shit and for, you know, we're slap boxing, yeah. you know, uh, at the time, Jorge Moscow was kind of doing his thing in the backyard. And like, we would always watch that on YouTube. We didn't take it that far. We didn't take it as far as like doing bare knuckles, but we did, you know, we bought the, the cheap blue Everlast gla- um, gloves and we would just, barbecues or friday night or whatever we'll just go out and, and again no training not knowing what we're doing we'll just beat each other up for like two minutes gas out and then call it a day like, oh yeah i had a great day but it was trash but i just kind of took it up to the next level where I, I got in shape i learned technique i would watch youtube videos i would you know do privates i would go to seminars and before you know it now all the boys that we would bring over and they were like that you know they 
you know, we would spar them. Now I'm just tooling on them. I'm just completely tooling on them. They don't know what I'm doing. They're like asking what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm just training, you know. And then, and then again, I moved out here, got with the, uh, the Muay Thai program, and then just, again, just took off. But I don't know. I honestly it came natural. I think I was, I think, naturally tough and, and willing to learn and willing to take a beating. But I just, I don't want to say natural, um, but I think naturally willing to just learn and do whatever it takes to get the job done. Meeting the New England cartel, this whole brotherhood, which I'm such a fan of because I was such a big fan of Joe Lozon growing up. He was one of my first guys that I was super into in the sport. So I kind of feel like they're all, you know, his guys, they're all his chain in some way or another. A lot of them are, at least. In all of the camps in mixed martial arts, you guys seem super tight-knit, super close. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, again, it's a small group of, of guys that like, really understand that we got to get, you know, we got to win big fights, you know, not too many people want to train like the way we train, not too many people have the opportunity to kind of like get together and just get after it. So, you know, like, like I said, like there, there's, there's the Navy, then there's the Navy SEALs, right? In the Northeast, there's a lot of fighters, not too many can join the Navy SEALs, you feel me? And I think that's what we are. We're kind of like the Navy SEALs, but we, we take it to the next level. We can just show up for work, but we show up and we do the extra mile all the time and there's a select few that do that out here and you can see it you can see it in the performance you can see it in in in, um, in the way either the win or lose you can see it like um it's night and day with uh, how we prepare how how much attention to detail tyson chartier is you know it's like, it's just different and then you have the other guys you know saying they're cool but it's just it's not the cartel you know it's, <laughs> it's just a little different you know and it's and it's, again it's, a, it's an elite group of not just fighters, because again, we got obviously myself, Calvin, a lot of up and coming fighters, but we have an elite group of coaches that do whatever it takes to get the job done. They don't, they don't care about the brand. They don't care about the gym. They don't care about um, making money. They just want to get us through um, the mission. Because again, like this is tough. We go out there, we could potentially get fucked up real bad. And yeah. They get that, that it's like, it's more important about the fighter, fighter first over the brand or the school name or, or anything like that. And, you know, so we have a, a huge a network full from Maine all the way down to Rhode Island of, of coaches that under really understanding that will ride all the way from Maine all the way down to Rhode Island just for an hour session and go right back up. You know what I'm saying? So again, it's an elite group. We got a, you got a small tight group and um, it's definitely growing, but it's, it, it takes a lot just to kind of link up with us. And, and if you prove that, you know, you, you're that type of fighter or that type of coach, we'll definitely, you know, we're going to, we're going to overpay you to, to make sure that, that you stay with us. So, what a friggin' badass way to put that. Listen, after <laughs> coronavirus is over, I'm coming out to Massachusetts and we're doing a video. Come I'm going to train man. with the whole cartel. I need Come one out. of those hoodies, the whole, the whole deal. All right, Come final out, question. Man. Now that we're talking about Calvin and everything, the cartel, I know you're best friends with Calvin. He's a friend of the program. He's been on before. Why don't you tell us something embarrassing about him that he wouldn't want out there? <laughs> Are you going to get me knocked out? I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, embarrassing, embarrassing. Um... Is he scared of monsters? Does he sleep with the lights on? Like, what's the whole um, deal with Kato? Oh, actually, like, he's very, very terrified. I guess it's not embarrassing. I guess it's calm. He's very terrified of spiders. Um, spiders? Oh, me too. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I don't think it'd be embarrassing, but he's definitely terrified of spiders. And, it's uh, embarrassing yeah. to the level where I'm at because when I was living with my mom, I would see a spider like she'd be sleeping. I would just yeah. put it under a solo cup, fucking tape the solo cup, and leave a <laughs> note like, you deal with this in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's so bad. boom, there you go, man. There you go. Max Holloway, he's a friend of the program too. I'm not going to tell him that because that would be bad. He comes into the octagon with like a new spider Spiders. tattoo or something. <laughs> that would be, be horrible. All right. Uh, Rob yeah. Font, he's taking on Marlon Marais, December 19th. You know we're cheering him on. The New England cartel, as always. 
Check them out. Yes, Social sir. media, where can the people find you? Instagram, Rob um, underscore font. Um, Twitter, Rob is font. And then, um, yeah, just tune in December 19th. Big fight. Just, just uh, come check me out. Also, you can check out the New England Cartel website. Um, get the sweaters, the hoodies, the hats, anything you want. We also did a collab with the, the, with the label. So whatever you want to do is holla at me. Check out the links and uh, we'll get it done. Hell yeah. Thank you for joining the show. My man, thank you. All right, thank you, Rob, for joining the show. That was a great interview. Now I'm throwing it over to the Monkey King himself, Jordan Leavitt. All right, welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I am joined by a very special guest right now. He picked up an amazing win over this past weekend. Jordan Leavitt, the Monkey King himself. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. So you're coming off this amazing win, which I just mentioned. I think it's the first knockout in UFC history where a strike wasn't even thrown. You know, you just slammed Matt Wyman to the ground. Have you heard that? Yeah, I heard it was like the first knockout of no significant strikes landed. And, you know, it's kind of backhanded. I'm like, I landed a sidekick. Maybe it wasn't significant (laughs) in the eyes of other people. But in my mind, I landed at least one strike. But, yeah, I've heard that a lot. I kind of like it. Definitely a very Jordan-esque knockout. Yes, it was a 22-second knockout. You pick Matt Wyman up. You slam him to the ground. Can you just walk me through what was going through your mind in this fight? I mean, it was only 22 seconds long, so I imagine not much. But what were you thinking in the octagon? Yeah, I was just trying to – I was just thinking pressure. I walked out there. I pushed him back to the cage right away. I threw the I threw the sidekick, and then I was waiting for him to come inside so I could counter. But he threw a two, like, a lot faster than I thought, and he covered distance a lot faster than I thought he would be able to. So instead of me going for the elbow that I was going for, I had shot. And then initially, he tried to pull guard right away because I was in so deep. But I, I didn't want to be in his guard for an entire round. So I lifted it up right away. So that way he couldn't pull guard. And then I hear my coach like, yo, bring him over here. And so I'm like, because, you know, you got that stage blindness out there. I'm like, where are you? And then I walked toward <laughs> him. And then... I was waiting for to see how Matt was going to try to defend. And then when I saw him pull guard, I put the cross face in and just dumped him. So and the cross face you put in there, I actually picked up on, and I'm not a mixed martial artist myself. I'm just a fan. So when I saw that, I was like, I wonder, like, is that something you practice? Do you practice throwing the arm over the sort of jaw when you slam someone to ensure their upper body, their head hits the, the canvas? Is that something you practice or is that instinct? I know it'll sound weird, but I don't practice it. That's kind of like a, a dangerous move to practice in the gym, but well, yeah. it'd be weird if I said I meditated on it. Like I thought about that move. I'm like, if I'm ever in this position, I'm going to do that. And I, I hopefully maybe I'll get a result. Maybe I'll knock the wind out of him. So I wouldn't say I practiced it, but maybe I meditated on it a little bit. That's interesting. And I saw after the fight, you did some interviews where you said you wish you didn't win like that. You wish you won any other way. And you even went as far as saying you believe that move that you won with should even be banned. Can you expand on that a little bit? I'm very fascinated by that mindset. Well, that's, you know, TMZ. TMZ says nonsense. It's funny. I gave context in the interview. Yeah, I would have preferred to win any other way because I feel like slams are kind of brutal. And that's not my style at all. But slabs definitely, they have to be legal because if not, then judo throws would kind of have to be suspect. A lot of rough takedowns would be suspect. And sometimes the only thing you can do is just slam somebody. But I do feel like sometimes slams happen when maybe they aren't warranted. Like maybe you spike someone on their head. And in America, we're very, um, a lot of refs don't want to call spiking when it's very obviously a spike. Like if I had a stupe, if I was behind someone, I locked in their arm and I had a stuplex and I go to spike them on their head, totally should be illegal because you're stopping them from doing anything to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Yeah, I see nothing dirty about the move I did. Um, okay, I didn't either. So that's what I was curious about. I maybe you got taken out of context, like you said by TMZ there. But I was like, is he saying like the one the move I won with should have been illegal? Because that I was like in my mind, why is that any different than like a gruesome elbow? You know, it was a brutal finish. It looked gruesome. I'm sure in the arena, everyone was saying it sounded so loud. That's what was the worst thing about it. But watching at home, it was just kind of a vicious finish where I was like, oh my god, that's gonna make for an awesome blog in two seconds. Yeah. I thought it was funny. People are like, oh, that's dirty. And I'm like, well, I mean, it's no dirty. Then if I got... Did you really like, get first, people saying that? Yeah. People are like, oh, that move should be illegal. I don't know why he's proud of that. And I'm like, well, first off, it was legal. Yeah. And then second, I didn't slam him on the back of the head. I definitely slammed him on the side of the head. So that's one good thing about the crossface. Listen, you know, I'm on you. I thought the slam was sick. I'm not one of these guys coming at you for being dirty. Yeah. So it's just... But people are people are totally fine if you splitting someone's head open and then giving them 20 stitches you breaking their leg their arm their skull it's a very totally. weird place to draw the line it's almost in my mind when people say that trash talk like goes too far in mma sometimes i'm like the trash talk goes too far but the slicing each other open with elbows and stuff is fine it's it's an interesting distinction to draw there yeah the dirty 100%. dancing celebration you had afterwards was also amazing now your coach picks you up, you know, as the nobody puts baby in the corner. Is this the Monkey King special, or can we expect to see this after every win from you? Is this your tradition? I'm one of those people where, if, like, you're talking in the gym, you know, just shooting the crap, and they're like, wouldn't it be funny if you did this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, man, that would be funny. But unlike most people, like, rational people, they, like, kind of drop it and they never think about it again. But, like, I'm laying in bed at night, and my eyes are open, staring at the ceiling, and I'm like, what if I did do that? So, you know, we are at the gym. I practiced it a few times, like a few weeks ago. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then we were backstage and then my fight got moved back like two more hours. I got moved to the main card. Really yeah. lucky. We're blessed for that. And I was like, yo, Chris, let's practice the lift a few times. And we got it down just perfect. And I was like, well, I have to do it now if I get a finish. So then we did it. I don't know if it'll be a continuous thing or if I'll find something else. That could, yeah, that could also be the thing. You keep us on our toes, keep us guessing. We don't know what, what the Monkey King's going to do afterwards. So you mentioned the fight gets pushed to the main card. This is your UFC debut. You were on the Contender Series, but this is that. Did you feel a lot of pressure coming in, or are you cool, calm, collected? I felt pretty calm, actually. It's kind of weird, and maybe it's like some hubris or pride, but I'm like, I'm being set up for something really amazing here. I'm like, this is all working out for my benefit. I'm like, like this in my head, I'm all thinking this must mean I'm going to succeed really well because I'm getting put on the main card. All these lines are like everything's connecting perfectly for me. And it kind of just took away all my anxiety. I walked out there. I'm like, nope, this is my stage. This is going to be my special moment. And it kind of did end up being my special moment. So it was kind of cool. Holy shit, dude. Can you be my therapist? That's the most optimistic way I've ever heard anyone look at anything. I look at everything the complete opposite way. If my fight got pushed, I'd be like, oh, this must mean that I'm going to be, you know, slammed on my head in 20 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about the Monkey King nickname. Where did that come from? It's a fascinating nickname. Oh, thank you. So uh, when I was younger, we used to watch a lot. I used to like to watch Kung Fu movies, Jackie Chan, Jet Li. And I remember watching The Forbidden Kingdom in middle school. Okay, yeah. A few of my friends with Jet Li and Jackie Chan. And, like, there was the Monkey King, and he's all playful and dangerous. And I'm like, we're all big fans of, like, anime and kung fu and stuff. And I'm like, ooh, like, he's so bad, eh? He's kind of like you. Like, he's all quiet but, like, mischievous. And then, so that was always, like, people always call me, you know, as a joke. Oh, yeah, the Monkey King right there, playful. And then I started wrestling in high school. 
And like one time as a joke, after I won a match, I like crawled on my knuckles off the off the mat. And then that just like if it wasn't stuck then, like it stuck. Like it was my nickname from you sealed your fate. Yeah. So I just got it embedded and then it matches my personality very well. The monkey king and you know, a lot of different Asian mythologies, like a very cocky, very confident warrior. And though I don't think I'm cocky, I have a I'm overflowing of confidence. So it fits. It does fit. And the way that you described, you know, going into that fight and it's setting up good things for you, that has a little confidence behind it. You've got the confidence that a fighter needs to succeed, I, I guess. So I like the nickname. I think it's very unique. I think that's great. Now talk to me about the year that you've had. You've competed. I looked o- over the list. Kind of three, four different promotions if you want to count the Contender Series as a different promotion. What, where were you in January? Like what were you doing last January or maybe even this time last year right now? Oh, like, about this time last year, I had just fought for Gladiator Challenge, which is a smaller show, and sometimes a little sketchy. Maybe another time I could talk about some stories. But um, I just won my fight in 17 seconds heel hook, and I didn't know where, I don't know what was going to happen for me. Money was running a little low. I was like, maybe I'm going to maybe take some time off from fighting so I can get a job and a full-time job and start paying the bills and everything. And then... You know, I went to hang out with family for a little bit. And then I came back. And I got a fight in Ohio. And I won that fight. It was, and I was out of shape for that fight. I went out there, won a decision where I should have finished him, but weight cut messed with me that time. And then, and then that fight allowed me to pay my rent for two months. And then I, and then I got another fight in July. And then I beat Levon Lewis, very talented kid. I, you know, um, definitely my hardest pro fight so far. I was in a weird mental space for that because I, I was on the LFA stage yeah. and they switched my opponent last minute and he was very talented and we thought he was smaller. So when I saw him at the weigh-ins and he was bigger than me, it was weird. Um, so I was a head case for that fight, went out there and then choked him out and won that fight. And then I was just fishing. I was fishing with family up in Utah for, for, for some crawdads and I'm like, you know, barefoot in my pajamas and I get a call from my agent. He's like, can you fight in 10 days? And I'm like, I don't know, man. What's the money like? He's like, it's not about the money. And I'm like, then what is it? He's like, it's Contender Series. And I was like, let's do it, man. Like 10 days. <laughs> I even knew who the opponent was yet. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Who am I fighting? Fought a nice, you know, talented southpaw, Jose Flores. Went out there and took him down right away. Choked him out. And then I got my contract. And I announced my pregnancy, which we had just found out about. And, you know, I was just on top of this giant mountain. Like the year was like, perfect or there was no better way for that year to end i didn't plan on fighting this year and then i got a fight with matt wyman scheduled and i'm like okay if i just get this fight i could pay my rent for the next year be very frugal and then be careful and then i got the slam knockout and i got the bonus and it's just been a roller coaster i went from you know worried about how to pay my internet bill to now like i'm about to get a lease and pay off the entire year up front it's been a crazy crazy year best year of my life (laughs) that's fucking awesome man i'm so happy for you just like hearing that journey over the past few months this time last year to right now that's amazing you can't ask for anything better it's like the universe did set you up with the wyman fight for things to succeed there congratulations on your upcoming child and what's next for you you looking for a quick turnaround you looking to get back in there beginning of 2021 take some time off now what are you looking to do i'm just right now i think the thing i'm focusing on the most is getting ready to meet my daughter um, preparing the home for her, being here for my wife for the last like two, three months of the you know last trimester, 
And then as soon as I see my daughter, it's go time. Like next fight. Then you get that dad strength. Then you get to come into the UFC with a little extra, you know? Yeah, like I've had this dad bod for years. Now I finally get the dad. So you get the dad strength, you get the dad adrenaline, you gotta get like a nice pair of new balance shoes when you know your daughter's born, you know. Jordan, this has been great. We'll have to get you back on before or after your next win or something. You'll become a new friend of the program. Jordan, leave it, everyone, the Monkey King. Tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at monkeyking underscore UFC. Or if you want to follow me on Twitter, which I'm very new to, you can follow me at Mr. Jojo Monkey King. Awesome. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Robbie. You have a good one.